Welcome to the Sword and Trial podcast. The Sword and Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. Glad to have you with us again today. We look forward to talking about some of the things that are going on in the broader evangelical world. But before we do that, we want to say thank you to our Founders Alliance members that uh, support us and help us to produce this kind of content. And if you're interested in joining in, becoming a partner with us, just go to founders.org and look at the Founders Alliance page and you can get more information about that. Also, if this podcast is helpful to you, would you become a subscriber and just send it around to others so that they also can learn about what we're doing here on the Sword and the Trial. Yeah, Graham, we've got a lot of stuff coming up right now. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, opportunities, particularly for our FAM members. Um, so for instance, at the end of this month, May 24th, you're going to be doing a table talk. That's, That's right. 7 o'clock in the evening. That's right. Um, and so table talk, are you going to be taking questions or are you going to be talking about whatever enters into your head? <laughs> Let's hope not. Yeah, no, I'll be taking questions. And so those, uh, I think this will go out to all the Founders Alliance members a few days before, and they can just uh, write in questions and I'll try to address those. So anything goes, you know, you can ask anything. doesn't mean I'll answer it all. I will give my best. And if I can't, I'll certainly say I can't, but it's usually a fun time of just kind of back and forth thinking through uh, things that are on the minds of those that are partnering with us in this ministry. Mm. We also have uh, a lot of great books in the Founders Bookstore. One of them is this newer book, For the Vindication of the Truth by mm. Dr. James Renahan. Uh, it's a commentary exposition of the first London Baptist Confession. The exposition of the second London Baptist Confession is coming out very soon. It's in the works. That's going to be great. But with every order from the bookstore at Founders, uh, every order will receive a free By What Standard DVD. Yeah. And that'd be great, for, especially for those who are in the Southern Baptist Convention, prepping for the convention this June to be able to watch that again as we go into the convention. Yeah, if you're a Southern Baptist and you've not watched By What Standard, you can get it on our YouTube channel, but you can also get your own DVD uh, sent to you just by ordering a book, and we'll throw one in there for free. Uh, we've got other books that are coming out. Uh, we've talked a little bit about um, David uh, Schrock. Schrock's book, mm-hmm. Brothers, We Are Not Plagiarists. Yep. And uh, that's an excellent, excellent book. And again, very timely for the Southern Baptist Convention, but beyond the Southern Baptist Convention as well. So you can go to founders.org, click on the store, and uh, see all of the titles that we have available right now. We've got a conference coming up in January. Yeah. And the, the rates for the conference are actually going up at the end of this month. So after Labor Day on June 1st, the rates are going up. So if you're planning on getting to the conference, uh, make sure you get your tickets sooner rather than later. Right. January Southwest Florida, when everybody else is freezing, we're going to have wonderful weather down here, most likely. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've talked about this a lot. We'll be uh, announcing it later in more detail. But we're going to be celebrating the 40th anniversary of Founders Ministries wow. at that conference. And so we've got some special things planned as well. We'll roll those out over the next few weeks. So if you're interested or you thought about it, this is a great time to go ahead and register to come and be with us in January 2023 for the doctrine of man. What is man? Joel Beakey, Paul Washer, is going to be here, Vody. It's, it's going to be a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you to sign up for that. Mm-hmm. What else is going on? Um, the Institute of Public Theology has some great classes coming up, and some that have just been recently announced. So this summer, the summer courses, we're doing uh, Intro to New Testament uh, with Travis Allen, and then also Church History One with uh, Dr. Tom Nettles. Both are going to be great classes. Um, I have a friend who's been starting on the reading and he loves it so far. Mm-hmm. But then later uh, in August, we're offering two classes. One is Hermeneutics by Richard Barcellus, which is just a phenomenal class. If, mm-hmm. if you 
I mean, there's no one better to teach hermeneutics right. in my mind uh, than Richard Barcellus. And then also a class on political theology by Dr. Ben Dunson, who is one of my former professors. That's right. Yeah, he's going to be teaching on public theology, dealing with uh, politics as well. And uh, I, I'm excited about Dr. Dunson doing this. We've talked to him. We've got a podcast coming out with him in a few weeks. And uh, he's the founder and head of American Reformer, which if you're not familiar with that, just go to their website and just start reading some of the things they're mm. doing. The, the point was, has been made multiple times over the last several months, and we're going to try to talk about some of that uh, in our discussion today, that evangelicalism is in desperate need of a new public theology, or we could just say of public theology, because we have so very little of it. And I don't know anybody better than Ben Dunson to address this. So we still have our application fee waived, which is going to continue to be waived for the Institute of Public Theology up until I think it's June 8th. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in becoming a full-time student at IOPT, you can go to instituteofpublictheology.org and begin the registration process. Again, the fee is waived right now until June 8th. And if you're interested in auditing any of these courses, you can do that. We're going to make another special deal for pastors for these courses because we definitely want pastors to come in and to be uh, given the opportunity to study under these professors that we have, Travis Allen, Tom Nettles, Richard Barcellus, and Ben Dunson. And we will, uh, I think we make a 50% off of the auditing fee for pastors. So if you're a pastor and interested in brushing up or maybe getting some training you didn't get along the way, this is a great opportunity for you. Yeah, and I don't honestly know many seminaries that have provided that type of training when it comes to public theology. And so this would be a great little supplement to to what you've already received. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Graham and I were talking earlier today about what's going on in the evangelical world, and it just seems like there's so many difficulties that are emerging at different places uh, almost without stopping over the last many, many months. Really, we could say the last few years. And recently, some things have bubbled up again uh, due to Tim Keller's uh, trying to nuance views about abortion and the mm-hmm. best way to um, deal with the elimination of abortion. Because, I mean, Tim would certainly say abortion is bad and we ought to, to seek to end abortion. I don't think there's any doubt that's his desire. But as he has recently written on social media, the Bible doesn't tell us the best way to try to eliminate abortion. Mm-hmm. And the, what he's doing, in my estimation, is, is he's posturing himself to kind of stand against those who are calling for the immediate abolition of abortion and are using language like murder, which, mm-hmm. you know, we've got ethicists that are telling us, oh, don't call abortion murder because it's legal in the United States. And so we shouldn't use that kind of language. And uh, Keller has kind of come in and says, look, we, we want to do this in the best way we can, knowing that others might disagree on the best way to reduce or eliminate abortion. And so let's be uh, gentle with each other. Let's be winsome in our language. And that has provoked quite a bit of uh, response from both right and left. Have you been keeping up with this much? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's interesting when it comes to this issue of abortion amongst evangelicals, at least over the past three, four decades. Evangelicals have been pretty much of one mind when it comes to the issue of abortion. It's murder, it's wrong, and we want to see it illegal and perhaps even criminalized, which that would be my position to see it criminalized. And and for someone who has the kind of clout that Tim Keller has, who leads so many um, evangelicals to come out and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. It'd be okay if it were illegal, but it doesn't necessarily have to be illegal just as long as we don't do it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, as long as we don't do it, that's great. But as a as a nation, as a society, to enact laws against the murder of the most vulnerable amongst us, that is a just and a righteous thing. And I think that's what God calls us to do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's this argument that I think we need to start articulating more clearly that what we desire is equal protection under the law mm-hmm. for unborn children. Yeah. Just like I don't want to walk out of my house and feel like people have... Uh, open season on murdering me. Mm-hmm. I don't want our nation to be a nation where people feel like it's open season to murder unborn babies. Mm-hmm. And that kind of language, I know it's offensive, but it, it is it is completely clear and true. And I don't know if there's a winsome, say, winsome way to say, thou shalt not murder, but that is what we need to say. So however you say it, we can't say anything less than that if we're talking about uh, the taking of the life of an image bearer. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times it gets confused in this, well, let's be sympathetic to the mother and the circumstances and the, the extreme situations that might arise. Mm-hmm. And we just lose sight of the fact we're talking about thou shalt not murder. Mm-hmm. So if we can keep that as a baseline and just remind ourselves pretty regularly, we're talking about uh, a human being that is made in the image of God, an image bearer, and whatever is done to that image bearer it is a strike against God and we must disallow that in our law, and we must certainly recognize that this is a criminal action to take the life of an image bearer. Yeah, you know, uh, Mark Jones, I think a year or two ago, wrote a short book called Letters from the Womb addressing this issue of abortion. You know, basically, like, if the, if the human fetus could speak, what would what would the child say? Um, and in my mind, it's like, if, if the unborn baby could speak, it would probably be saying, stop being so winsome and just make it stop. That's right. Yeah. Just, just do what it takes to make it stop. Um, and so I think what it, it, it gets to this whole issue of um, what we've talked about third wayism, and many people have talked about third wayism amongst evangelicals. It's like, well, we don't want to be, you know, bombastic and we don't want to be too critical because if we are, uh, when it comes to these kind of social, less important issues, well, then the people who are against us on, or on the other side of the aisle, they're not going to be able to hear us when we speak about the gospel and we speak about the truths of Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to do is we're going to downplay all these other issues as if they're not really that important mm-hmm. and and just speak to the gospel. And then when, the, when these other issues come up, we try to kind of look for a third way, look for some compromise, try to accommodate them as much as possible. And in, in Tim Keller's mind, I think it's, you know, when it comes to the issue of abortion, it's kind of a social issue, and yeah, it's wrong, but we need to not be so, um, be such hardliners when it comes to it, making it illegal. We can we can kind of compromise a little bit here as long as they're converted and they begin to see that abortion is wrong. That's what we really need to be. You, you know, I've been trying to get my mind around what's underneath this. You know, why do we have such difficulty in having these conversations? It seems like we're just on two different planets, and I'm more and more convinced that that at bottom what we need to face up to is the fact that God has spoken. He's given us his law. Mm-hmm. He determines what is right and what is wrong. And we lose sight of that. If, if you lose sight of that, then you're in your attempt rightly to accommodate in order to get the gospel to people, you start compromising by giving up what God has said is right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens on this, this issue of abortion. So again, if we can just all agree that abortion is murder, Mm-hmm. And let's be as winsome as we can be in talking about how people shouldn't murder. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't think that's what is being advocated by those on the left wing 
of the evangelical movement. I think they want us to drop language like that. I mean, Karen Swallow Pryor, a professor at Southeastern Seminary, wrote an article several years ago that we shouldn't call abortion murder because it's not violating the law of the land. And though mm-hmm. we, we hate it and we recognize it's not right, you know, we just need to be wise in how we talk about it. Well, once you start doing that, you give up the language, you're giving up the substance. Yeah. And if we can maintain this is what God says is right, this is what God says is wrong. Now then, I don't want to be offensive in how I advocate for that, but I am mm-hmm. not going to compromise one iota. Uh, there's nobody that's going to convince me that abortion is not murder because mm-hmm. the science is too conclusive. We're talking about a human being here, and that human being ought to have equal protection under the law, just like I do, just like you do. Yeah, and legally speaking, I think that we have, we are certainly within our constitutional rights as well to criminalize abortion according to the 14th Amendment. You know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's right. And there's even in, in English common law um, quite a history of seeing uh, the unborn child or the fetus as a, a being that the state has interest in, mm-hmm. right? And so they, they are citizens of this nation that we have a duty to, and responsibility to protect. That's right. And again, I, I think the confusion comes in for evangelicals very often in, in not distinguishing, as I believe we must distinguish, between proper accommodation and improper compromise. And mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, these are just uh, different ends of the scale. They're two different animals because compromise is giving up principles for something that you think is a greater good. Accommodation is maintaining your principles and trying to uh, do what you can to overcome obstacles so that your principles can be rightly understood and communicated. And, and we do that all the time. We use English rather than Greek and Hebrew uh, when we preach the scriptures. And uh, we use English language rather than Swahili because we're in a English-speaking nation. I mean, all of that mm-hmm. is accommodation, but none of it is compromise. I've got a little book coming out on this later this year with founders that uh, is the fruit of a lot of years of thinking about the distinctions between compromise and accommodation. Hopefully, it will be helpful in maybe moving some of this conversation forward. Yeah, so given the choice, Tom, um, between making abortion illegal or making it so that people in our society just thought it was wrong so they didn't do it. Given the choice between the two, which would you choose? Uh, I would, I I don't think those things are mutually exclusive and I'm not sure you can have one without the other. You know, if if we're going to make it illegal and it's right to be Mm -hmm. illegal, well then God willing, the law will function in that second use that it's designed to function, which is to restrain evil. Mm -hmm. And people will see that evil more and more being restrained as right and good. Uh, Certainly if it's unthinkable, then it's going to be, that which we want to have uh, codified in law as not being allowable. Mm-hmm. And, and it is interesting, those who would make that kind of argument that, you know, the Bible says that abortion is wrong, but the Bible doesn't tell me exactly how we need to overcome abortion. So maybe we need to not make it illegal. Maybe we just need to, what, put social stigma behind it? Because yeah. I don't think that they would argue for that because that's not very kind and understanding <laughs> and loving to the mothers who are considering abortion to, to put this social stigma behind it. And so I, I don't even think that their argument works in their within their own framework. No, I agree with that. And whenever they talk about we want to make it unthinkable, I want to say unthinkable to who? Mm-hmm. Hitler? Probably not. Pol Pot? Probably not. You know, <laughs> yeah. To Osama bin Laden? Probably not. Uh, society at whole, well, fine. But look what happens to societies when uh, depraved mentalities come into positions of influence and leadership, and it, it just affects a Holocaust every mm-hmm. time. We've seen it. 
And the, this gets back to this issue of law and gospel. The law is a teacher. Even when we, and, and we're not even just speaking about the law of God, but as the law of God as it is manifested in the laws of nations. The laws of nations can be a, te- can be a, a guide and a teacher mm-hmm. to its citizens. If a, if a citizen looks at, it, at the laws of its nation, his or her nation, and, and sees that abortion is illegal, that's, that's training that person to see it as a morally reprehensible thing. And so we should want that for our society. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, recently, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission put out on social media this statement. The ERLC will always advocate for life before Congress, the courts, and in the public square. And we are working toward a day when abortion is not just illegal, but both unnecessary and unthinkable. So what do you think about that? I I think the biggest problem, the the word that's the biggest problem in that whole thing is unnecessary. Yeah. Um, Was was abortion ever necessary? Um, There's and I think what's in there is kind of maybe even an implicit accusation against many Christians in that. And and you see this a lot. I'm from people more on the left within evangelicalism. Uh, the church really has not done enough um, when it comes to adoption, when it comes to foster care, when it comes to par- caring um, for uh, single mothers or parents from, with a, you know small, low income. We've not done enough in those areas, and so we don't really have much of a right to criticize those mothers who abort their babies. Mm-hmm or those people who advocate for abortion. <laughs> yeah, so Brent Leatherwood, who is the acting head of the ERLC, got a lot of pushback on that language of unnecessary, and he, he offered an explanation. Let me read to you part of his explanation. He says that Planned Parenthood has co-opted the conversation and the language, using language of abortion is necessary for various reasons, and that's what ERLC is trying to combat against by saying we want to make abortion unnecessary. So here's his argument. He says, Planned Parenthood has said such things like abortion is necessary to take the life of that child for you to live a full life, or it's necessary to uh, for that child to take the life of the child in order for the a parent to earn a living. It's necessary to take the life of the child in order for you to flourish. Um, and so it, it just goes on like that. And he says, so we recognize that language and we're just entering into the conversation. They're saying it's necessary and we're saying we want to make it unnecessary. And I'm thinking, man, that's pretty pitiful moral reasoning. Mm-hmm. Why don't you say, uh-uh, it's not necessary. Yeah, you just seeded their whole argument. Absolutely. You know, there's a foundation there that is crumbling that if you don't point it out to them, they're going to collapse in on themselves under the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. And so, I, yeah, it's, it grieves me that this shallow moral reasoning is coming from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Why do you think it is that um, so many, and I don't want to say all, but quite a few of our evangelical leaders just seem to always be trying to get as close as they can to the left without forsaking their Christian principles. Why do you think that is? Well, I don't know. The most charitable explanation I can give is I, I, I think it's motivated perhaps by wanting to see people made disciples of Jesus. Let's give them that. Let's just mm-hmm. assume that that's it. And they think that this is the way we, to, to be nice and to have them like us so that you know they're not looking at anything that uh, is unnecessarily an obstacle that would keep them from considering the gospel message. My concern is they've given up things that uh, we are, are non-negotiable from God. They've given up right and wrong. They've mm-hmm. given up what 
God defines as righteousness and sin in their efforts to be accommodating. And Mm -hmm. again, it just goes right back to what we've already said. There's a difference between being accommodating biblically in Paul's language of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, I became all things to all men in order that I might save some. He doesn't talk there about jettisoning God's standards. He says, I'm not without law. I'm under the law of Christ. Well, that's true. We cannot accommodate at the expense of the law. That's impossible. That's only compromise. Mm-hmm. You will compromise whenever you say what is something contrary to what the law of God says. So when you say anything or leave any impression that abortion is less than murder, you're compromising. Yeah. And that, that's the starting point here. And abortion is a good example to use to try to help us tease out our moral thinking because it's been uh, so common so long. I mean, you've never lived in a country that didn't have abortion as legal, and it, it's just been the way of the world in the West. And and I never thought that we would come to a place where we would see Roe versus Wade being knocked down. I yeah. never I, I never conceived that that would, I mean, I always hoped for it, but I didn't think that it would ever really be possible. So it's, it's incredible that we're at this moment. Yeah, it, it is. And praise God for it. And man, as we did yesterday uh, in our worship service, we've got to pray for the Supreme Court justices that God mm-hmm. will protect them from all of the onslaught that they're getting because of this leak and that they will stay true to mm-hmm. the uh, Constitution, true to the law, that they will recognize Roe v. Wade was a horrible decision mm-hmm. and it needs to be overturned as we've overturned other horrible decisions in the past. But if we, if you take the language that's being used by someone like uh, Tim Keller or others about abortion and you substitute other uh, horrific sins or crimes in its place, you see the fallacy immediately. So take what he says about abortion or take uh, what the uh, ERLC has said about, you know, we want to see it not only in illegal, but unthinkable and unnecessary. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to nuance the way we approach it. Uh, take that and, and substitute chattel slavery in there or mm-hmm. pedophilia in there. When you, when you do that, you begin to say, wait a minute. No, no, no. Why? Because we've not been so desensitized yet yeah. to those horrific crimes and sins as we have been to abortion and brothers and sisters, we just can't afford to forget that abortion is murder. Mm-hmm. It is murder. And I say that with any ma- without any malice toward uh, the, the people that have engaged in it. God has grace for murderers. Mm-hmm. God sent his son to the Lord Jesus to the cross so that murderers can be forgiven. The apostle Paul was a murderer, and he was forgiven and became a great apostle, great evangelist. So if you've had an abortion or you've participated in facilitating an abortion, don't take this as condemnation. Don't take this as no hope for you. There is hope. This is why Jesus Christ came. He came to save sinners, but you will never experience the full the fullness of his grace for sinners if you don't deal honestly with your sin and see it for what it is. And abortion is the sin of murder. Mm. Amen. Um, so I think then a, a, another question would be, maybe for you, Tom, um, why is it that you seem to be getting so cozy to the right? <laughs> you know, I'm not getting cozy to the right. They're finally getting cozy to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, that's the that's the way that's, that that's going to be addressed. Yeah, that's exactly the way it is. It's like, you know, why are you guys over here? You're just a bunch of Trumpists. You know, you're mm-hmm. just trying to. We don't we don't believe that the way to be right with God is through uh, uh, the Republican Party or political activism on the far right. Not at all. But 
these people are not advocating the murder of unborn babies. Mm-hmm. And, and the folks over here are advocating that, and you see them losing their minds at the thought that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. And so if I'm going to stand on what God has said is right and wrong, then I'm going to stand against that. And where these people are not going against what God says is right and wrong, and I, I have no reason to punch them. But yeah. whenever they begin to say, oh, yeah, Trump's our savior, or if you don't, you know, this is the way to be right with God by, you know, wrapping the pulpit in the American flag. Well, no, that's that's wrong. We mm-hmm. know that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And we're not hesitating to say that on either side. It's just whenever somebody is torching the house over here and trying to destroy its foundations completely, and these folks are saying, no, you know, the house is, is fine. We're not trying to torture it. We've got some other crazy ideas. Well, we'll deal with those ideas. We never have deviated or, or hesitated to do that. But we got to put the fire out, and mm-hmm. we got to get these arsonists off the streets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, again, it just addresses that whole third way. And you know, it's not as though um, we have two political um, parties that are both kind of just neutral, and we need to evangelize both. But we have two political parties in which one political party or conservatism lines up more with what the Christian religion is is advocating for. Mm-hmm lines up more with the church and they're not, they're not militating against the church as the left is. That's right. And the left has uh, ensconced six times. The last time I read the platform for the democratic party, six times the advocacy of abortion on demand. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how any Christian can look at that and say, well, that's neutral, Mm -hmm. you know, or that there there might be a better way that the Democrats have of uh, dealing with this issue of abortion and other social ills than the Republicans do. Look, if we can't say this is wicked, this is sinful, then we've lost our ability to um, think God's thoughts after him. We've lost our ability to reason morally from the word. Mm -hmm. Well, Again, there's so much here that mm-hmm. uh, we could continue to talk about, and, and this is just like one little example, not so little, of the larger confusion that is going on, not just in our culture, but in our evangelical world, and pastors especially. We've got to think about these things, and we've got to help our people to think about these things and do our best to think well. So, so let me just kind of summarize. Fundamentally, I think that one of the most significant things that pastors can do right now in churches is to help your people understand that God has given us his law as well as his gospel and that we need to teach the law of God. The very subsoil of Mount Calvary is Mount Sinai. And if you can teach the Ten Commandments, thus says the Lord, this is right, this is wrong, then you are providing the field. You're setting up the boundaries whereby you can have the conversations about God's grace and about Mm -hmm. his gospel and what God in his gospel actually saves us from. And you can begin then to try to look through that prism to what's going on culturally and say, no, wait a minute. No, we cannot affirm this. We must stand against this. We can't say that. We must say this. But if you don't have the foundation of law and gospel, then you're going to just wind up in a lot of uh, moral confusion Mm -hmm. as we see going on around us. Well, thanks for joining us today on the Sword and the Trial. We look forward to uh, having a conversation that you can enter into again in the near future. Uh, Don't forget about the things we mentioned at the beginning, the table talk coming up later this month. And uh, if you enjoy this session with us here at the Sword and Trial, then share it. Let other people know about it as well. Thanks. Thanks.